Hey everybody, you're listening to Off the Record, a weekly podcast from Chalk Magazine where we talk about anything and everything. I am joined by Nicole and Taylor once again, and I want to talk to you guys a little bit about some ghost stories. We're coming up on Halloween. We got about, what, a week away? A week. Uh, yeah, as of the publication of this podcast, I believe we've got about a week left. And mm. I was reading, I, I was just in the mood. So I was reading some spooky stories online, right? Browsing around. And I read this thread of stories from this person who says that they are a search and rescue officer for like national parks. So they go and they get the people that, that like that lose their kids or their dog runs off or whatever else. They're in charge of that. And this guy was like, there's some real creepy stuff out in those. Like, cause it was, it's one of those big ones out in like Maine where it's just miles and miles and miles of just heavily wooded areas. Ew. And he talked about how there were these, there were these different things that all the different rangers knew about. Like, for example, one thing is just stairs in the woods. Literally, it, it, he, he described it as imagine like a staircase in a house copied and pasted into the woods. What? And, and all of the rangers were like advised do not go near them because bad things always happen whenever you go near them. What? For example, they once found an older woman who <laughs> was with her husband and they found these stairs in the woods and they're like, what is this? And they went and she went up and touched it and a minute later had a brain aneurysm and died. <gasps> Shut up. Oh, my God. Wait, are these stairs that are going, like, into the ground or going up? Just up. Into nothing. Up into nothing. There was another child who went missing uh, when he was with his parents and got found a month later. Just, like, like his body was just, like, mangled near one of these staircases. So that's one creepy thing. They also said that they there's a theory among the rangers that there is legitimately, like, a type of creature that is unknown to most. That's basically just like a faceless being that hunts people. Oh, where, where, because they talk about how there's so many people that just get killed in mysterious ways. And there's literally no explanation, but there's been spottings of like a faceless creature that like replicates noises to attract people to things. What the heck? Oh my like God. One ranger swears. He saw one after hearing, like they were searching for a child and they heard a child crying. Ew. But, but it was just so they went searching because they're like, we're a search and rescue rage. We got to figure out who's crying. And then it like led them into this really creepy area that like no child no. could get to. And they're like, all right, Bye. we're out. We're out. Bye. So oh that's my two things is that stairs in the woods where bad things always happen and spirit faceless spirits that like hunt people in woods in the woods. Bye. So, fun stuff. Do you- okay. Is this specific to like one park or is this something that's just like throughout these? National park. So this is all from this one park, which he wouldn't name what the park is because he said that if his superiors heard him like telling these things, he would get in trouble. Um, he said it was in it was like in the Northeast. And um, apparently there were people that commented that said that they've heard similar stories about not the stairs, but the faceless spirit things that like hunt people heard those like all over the world there was a person who commented from like malaysia and said yeah i've heard of that there's a person that commented from like brazil and was like yo i I have my grandpa told me a story about that like so apparently this is like an actual legend um i don't know about the stairs i think if you look it up like stairs in the woods 
I think it's like a thing that people are theory theorize about, but Ew. I just I hate that. Yeah. Do you guys have any uh ghost scary stories that particularly intrigue you? Taylor, do you have one? I don't, but I really do think my house is haunted, but Ooh, I haven't had it. This one that I'm living in now, it just, it feels like it has to be, even though I haven't experienced anything, but mm. it was built in 1859. Wow. The first judge of Lawrence lived here. It's called the Hendry house. And for a while too, it was made into a hospital for Creepy. people. So also our landlord told us not to go in the basement. She was just like, you don't need to go down there. So just but don't go down there. down there. I know. But something still seems, there's just this part with like all the bricks and stuff, you know, where it seems like money or something could be put back there. But I guarantee there's a body. Like, I just know there's going to be a body back there. Yeah, it sounds like, isn't there an Edgar Allan Poe short story that's about like a body being in the wall or something? And that makes sense. Yeah, there's a heart. There's a heart in the floorboard. No, I think there's a different one that there's a body in the wall. I think you're right, but I and don't know what that one they is. They like dig it up and find a cat or something. I don't know. I don't why know. Why did she why did she say you shouldn't go down there? I don't know. It makes it that much more suspicious. And we also have a shed in the backyard and we've asked her repeatedly for the keys. And she's like, Oh yeah, I'll drop them off, and she'll never drop them off. Well, Ew! We're just gonna mm-hmm. sledgehammer and find out. Let's investigate a little bit. <laughs> I don't want to. That's the horror movie moment. We'd finally open it up and then yeah. boom, fade to black, dead. Yeah, there's like a murderer's tool set inside of this shack, and then mm-hmm. in the basement is what's hiding the body. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But if there are spirits here, uh, we're okay. You know, we're living peaceful. <laughs> mind, peaceful. mind your own business. Hey, spirits, mind, it's yeah. your boy. <laughs> <laughs> like, mind we're just chilling. We have a really good relationship. So, what about you, Nicole? One of my best friends lives in the here apartment, and he is a very, very spiritual person. Um, and he reads tarot cards often and does like the crystal thing, whatever. But um, I remember the night of his birthday, he calls me and he's in the shower and he's shaking. And he's like clothes, like just like freaking out, just sitting in a shower. Like, and he's like, Nicole, I can hear spirits in here. He's like, so I believe that when the hair apartments opened, there was an international student or just some sort of student that uh, killed themselves um, and they weren't found until like four days later. And um, yeah, in the hair apartments, you know, where all the <laughs> parties are happening right now. Um, but Zachary was like, I know that that death happened, but I think that there's been more. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I always constantly hear running in the hallways. I, um, he'll wake up to his bed just shaking, just shaking like he's in a uh, like earthquake or something. Um, there will be like scratching noises. And if you've ever been in the hair apartments, like the bathroom, like the fluorescent light is like kind of off-putting like Zachary has put like different like light fi- fixtures in there for it to be like normal and like less like a hospital type of vibe um he was like Nicole like I can like hear them like I hear whispering and I hear screaming and I'm like oh 
Oh, and uh, that happened on September 4th. I think Kansas is just genuinely a haunted state. Like we have Atchison, one of those haunted cities in America. And then we have one of the seven gates to hell, like 15 miles from here. Just some creepy ass stuff going on in in Kansas. It's literally some gross ass shit. The topic for this week is how can you, is it even possible to be a people person amid a pandemic? So I think everyone and their mom knows that I am the most extroverted person on this side of the Mississippi. And I think that, you know, once quarantine hit back in March and everything, when that happened, I don't think I really like registered how much time I've spent with people and like how much I would like prioritize being with people for my own like energy. I just didn't realize how that would be taken away from me. And like we know plenty of people that are immunocompromised and you know are actually forced to stay home and have been home these past like what eight months or however long it's been um and so ethically there's been a lot of back and forth um, and a lot of conversation of whether or not any contact right now even though it's not March even though it's like you know not the beginning of this quarantine process uh whether or not any contact period is actually ethical. And, you know, um, as a people person, I, you know, made do with what I needed to do over quarantine and FaceTime folks, had those like six feet apart walks with people that were comfortable with, you know, taking walks outside. Um, But, I guess it still wasn't enough and we were just so badly still wanting to just like have days where you could just sit with your friends in a space and not talk to each other but like not fear for your lives doing so and just like the pure bliss of it and so when I think about like the entire timeline of how I navigated person-to-person contact um In the beginning, I broke up with my ex-boyfriend of three years. So I did not expect to go from like spring break to, oh God, ending a relationship. But hey, at least I can like hang out with my friends more and like maybe go to parties and things like that. No, it was you're going to go back in your childhood bedroom. And actually high school trauma is going to come back and your high school depression is going to sink back in. And that's what it's going to be like until August, maybe, potentially, could be longer. And so that was daunting. I also felt like I couldn't leave the house ever. Um, And that was already mixed with the feeling of like, oh, I can't leave my bed because I'm mourning my relationship. But um, I just felt like I couldn't. And I feel like everyone was like on heightened like awareness of like, oh, I can't leave my house. Like my parents are the only ones that can leave the house and go to the grocery store. Like, no, we can't leave. We can't leave because we just kept seeing those numbers rise. And I feel like 
it was like, oh shoot, like people are actually dying like every day. Like we saw Italy. We saw like them like rolling bodies like out like over and over again. Like it was insane. And like I think we were all very like paranoid. Um, I don't even remember the month of April because I think that all of us were just on heightened, like can't even go a single place. Um, but as the summer progressed, I think the idea of like being with people slowly started to become more comfortable again. Like it went from like, oh my God, I can't like leave my house even for a walk alone by myself to like, okay, I can like get boba with people, but like only sit outside and then like drink with my like mask on like over my nose still like mouth uncovered but like nose covered like still very like extremely cautious and when I'm like reflecting on this and like thinking about that I'm like oh shoot like I'm at sunflower now like all the time like studying mask off obviously away from other people but like how did I go from like being extremely like hyper aware to like somewhat decently okay um And I also think about how I literally dated folks over the summer in a pandemic. How did I do that? I don't know. I think that I was also like thinking about like, how do I stay sane and work through my breakup in a way that I, Nicole, needs to work through my breakup. But my thought process through here as well is like, am I an asshole, arguably? by working through my breakup, through person-to-person contact, you know? Because it's not like I was, like, going to ragers and, like, meeting people at the club. It was, like, dating apps of, like, you know, Tinder, Hinge, whatever. And at the beginning, you're like, ooh, you're very cute. i definitely kiss you if we weren't in a pandemic. To, oh, I enjoy speaking to you sometimes. Wait, maybe we could kiss, but, like, are you negative? are you quarantining? How like serious are you taking this? Um, to, okay, I guess we're meeting up, but like outside with masks on. And so it's like this layer of defense within me, um, like dating and also like friendship wise was like slowly like thinning. Like it used to be like a thick wall of like, no, like we've, should FaceTime date or whatever. Like that's the safest bet to like, okay, yes, I guess I'm going to go to the Nelson with you now and we'll have coffee. And for this short moment, for this short date, like we can pretend like the world is normal again. But with that, is that being an asshole? And so I just wanted to bring this topic to both of you to kind of get your thoughts on like, are we assholes? And is there any way you can justify anything by seeing anyone? Because here, here's a spectrum. I know this one girl, uh, she's a real human. This isn't a fake person. She has been in her home for eight months and her mom is immunocompromised. She's not personally, but her mom is. And her other sister is in my grade and she goes to KU and she lives in the house and she's doing the whole thing. But 
her older sister who lives at home with her immunocompromised mom thinks that every person that hasn't been quarantining in their home is a complete asshole and uh, is on her hit list. And she has actually broken friendships and bridges. She's burned them down because she's like, how can you be so selfish? And she's refused. And she is in a relationship with someone. And she just now, after eight months, has let her boyfriend come over, mask on. They have to sit outside more than six feet apart to be with each other. Other end of the spectrum, the people that rented out the bowl this weekend for dad's weekend or whatever and are just raging and, you know, want to connect, want to live it up. It's college, whatever. That's the spectrum. I would place myself in the middle. I don't even know where I'm leaning because I understand the like importance, you know, of like staying safe and whatever. But like, I see the same people over and over and over and over again. I guess the only concern for me is like where their roommates have been, but I justify it as I stick to the same folks over and over again. Um, and so maybe slightly leaning towards the like stay home girl. But yeah, where would you guys place yourselves? Slash, what's your thought process? I mean, I think it's hard because when we really think about it, I mean, to me, things aren't different really now than they were when we were in full lockdown. If anything, I mean, half the time they're worse, you know, because people are now able to go out and do things and around more people instead of when we were in full quarantine. So like coronavirus is still fully out there, still fully a thing. But I just think over the months, people have gotten desensitized to it. I mean, me too, you know, I go out and I see people, I see my same like group of friends, but in those friends, they have roommates, they're going to the grocery store, they're seeing their own little bubble of friends and you just can't be certain. So I totally understand people that are immunocompromised that have been locked up for months and can't leave their frustration at seeing people see anyone. Cause I mean, it really does take, even if you're in a small group of friends, one group or one friend went to the grocery store next to somebody coughed close to them. They got it, passed it to their friend, the group of friend, like that's really all it takes. And I think what we're doing now is just the best that we can, you know, if you can, if you're not immunocompromised, if you don't know somebody who is, and you're just seeing the same little group of people you can wearing your mask, socially distancing, but you can't be certain that something's going to happen. You just can't. And so I can't imagine what it must be like to be stuck in my home still, to still be in that full quarantine like I was and seeing other people going out and seeing anyone when you haven't been allowed to. And you know that like doing that could put yourself at risk, could put your family members greatly at risk. So, I mean, if somebody called me an asshole who was having to like go through that because I'm seeing a group of friends, like I really don't have a defense, you know, I don't, except that I'm just trying my best, but I can completely understand their point of view as well. But running out the bull is, is stupid. It's completely stupid. Selfish. No defense. It's a, I mean, I don't even know how people justify that by now because I don't have a justification hardly for seeing 
my small group of friends, you know, except that I'm just trying my best and like taking as many precautions as I can, but any action seeing anybody is kind of a risk. And so if you're fully going out and partying that you can't have justification, you can't, there's nothing to say. Yeah. It's, it's hard. It's hard to, you know, talk about because on one hand, like it, it's completely valid that, you know, we should be staying at home and not seeing anyone and um, all of that. But on the other hand, it's like taking other factors into account, like mental health and things like that. Like, it, like if I were, God, this sounds so awful. Like if I were isolated for the last eight months, I would, I mean, I'd go insane. I would actually go insane. And I, and I understand that there are people who don't have that choice, mm-hmm. um, which is where things get like morally gray because it's like, I want to take care of myself, but I also want to see what other people are going through and like be safe for them. And I think it's, it's, it's something that has been a struggle for sure, because it's like, am I doing the right thing? Am I not? This is such a, this is such a hard topic to talk about. This is something we think about all the time though. And, um, I think mask shaming is okay because I think anyone that wears the neck mask is racist. And I'm going to say it. What I do you mean just, the neck mask? The, the, you know, it's the neck one. That oh, you just, like a neck gator. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm unconvinced that you actually care about people. And I think you are right leaning, but I say this because I, there is just so much, data and science that has come out to say that these masks don't work Mm. and so it's like you are not part of the movement of people trying to keep each other safe with normal masks like you're not any different yeah you're you're like who are you trying to prove to and i think mask shaming is honestly okay i think it's good um it's good to keep people accountable um but i think that it gets messy and it gets icky when you know that you are being safe individually and you know that the friends that you are seeing are genuinely like doing mm-hmm. the thing and there's constant communication all the time because this weekend me and my best friend went to Tulsa to a wedding and masks were required of course um and we took all the precautions to be safe for this wedding. Well, like this weekend, we found out that her roommate ended up testing positive for COVID. And both of us just had a freak out because we were like, oh my gosh, like did we in some way like infect anyone? The whole thing ended up being fine because she had like zero to... 0.5 level of contact with her roommate Thursday night because her roommate started showing symptoms on Thursday night. She didn't see her roommate at all except for when she went to the kitchen. Mm. But she wasn't even like it wasn't even in within six feet of each other. You know, like that kind of like passing yeah. kind of thing ended up being fine. Both of us tested negative. Everything's all good. But 
that was just so, so, so stressful because like, that's a very real thing that could happen. And you did decide to go out, you know, like that's where it's like, oh shoot, you're part of the problem. Mm -hmm. And so obviously the right answer is to stay home as much as possible. But also it's like, what are you going to do to also like take care of yourself? And for me, it's spending time with people Mm. getting out and doing accomplishing things. And I know there's zoom and I know there's FaceTime, but I hate to say it, but FaceTime over this entire summer has been more of a burden and it feels like work. Like, I love my, I love one of my very, very, very close friends and she goes to school in Lexington, Virginia and we FaceTime all the time. But now I just feel like it's a, I don't know. I mean, I love it now, but like over the summer, I just felt like it was work. Well, it's just because our brain associated it with Zoom, which is what we were doing work on, you know? So totally valid. Yeah. And it's like. I don't know. FaceTime became way less meaningful than it used to be. And phone calls became better than, than FaceTime because at least it's like a different, I don't know. Your, I don't know. My brain associated it with different things, but um, I think this is definitely worth talking about because sometimes I feel like the way that I justify things might, seem outlandish to other people and I always think that's really interesting to hear a different perspective so um to sort of change gears a bit and maybe like touch back on dating really hitting us with the, with some existential stuff tonight <laughs> yeah we're getting in deep why I know that you did you dabbled a little bit in dating apps this summer as well mm-hmm. it is very weird and I felt like an asshole like in my heart (laughs) a little bit every time I left the house to encounter a very new stranger that is not in my normal realm of like close friends that I would see to the point where my best friend literally told me Nicole I will not see you for the next two weeks because you've had three tinder dates in a row and I have no idea where these men have been and I don't trust them so I'm not going to see you for two weeks. And for your best friend to literally say, I, nope, cutting me off. I'm like, oh no, mm-hmm. I'm grounded. You know, like makes you feel absolutely awful. But it was like, at least for 30 minutes to an hour with these people, it felt like the world stopped for just a moment. And you just had like a little bit of a taste of, like college again or just like anything again like freedom and I had to hold on to that but I'm scared that that's what people who are renting out the bowl and throwing like kickbacks and parties every weekend now like uses their justification for that so why I still think it's I still think it's a little different though you know what I mean like I I get that the justification is the same but there's a difference between seeing one person that you've like made sure that they've been at least 
you know, safe in their behavior compared to going to a bar. You know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe that's just like, that's dumb reasoning. But in my mind, I, I, I see that it's not ideal to be seeing people at all, but if you're going to do it, you know, there's, there's a way to go about it and seeing one person at a time with some sort of precautions would be good. And, and that's sort of what I did. I think I went on, are we, are we talking about all of quarantine or specifically the summer? All of quarantine. So I think in in the last eight or months or so, I think I've gone on dates with, I want to say four, three, four. I don't remember. I think four um, different people. And each time it was, I mean, it was definitely a different experience than normal. The situation of like, we were texting for a, for weeks before (laughs) even like considering seeing each other in person. It really changed the dynamic of things. But um, every, every single time it was one of those of like, who have you been seeing? You know, what, like, what do you want to do? I think every single, maybe all but one of the first dates were outside Mm -hmm. um just making sure there's like it's not you know us in a small indoor space so i don't know it it changed things and i feel like at least being aware of what you're doing is, is is good if you're going to do it but again i i keep falling back on i think I think mental health is important and I I really think that if you're going to get if being pent up alone is more it is like such a risk to you mentally that it's just going to destroy your health. I mean you got to do something even if it's a risk. It's all a risk, but I think it's worth it, you know. And maybe that's naive or stupid or an asshole comment, but I just I don't know. I value mental health too highly, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Taylor, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's just, like Wyatt said earlier, it's just so hard to talk about because there really isn't a clear answer. And I think everybody has a justification for their own actions. And you just kind of have to stand by that and do the best that you can. And that's really all that you can do. It's because also morally gray. <laughs> it's so morally gray. And like you guys said earlier, I think that everybody, no matter what they're doing, is using the justification of kind of like, I have to do what's best for myself. And, you know, that can be like, um, not seeing anybody, you know, and prioritizing your health and your family's health over everything only seeing one or two people to throwing an absolute rager and saying that like, that's what you need to do for your health and for you to have like your, the experience of your life right now. And so that's scary and makes it difficult to justify anything, you know, when you can kind of use the same justification for any action, you know, it's kind of like, it's just difficult because really doing anything right now feels selfish. It does, but I mean, like you guys said, you do have to put your mental health into it and what's going to be the best for you. It's just so hard. It's so morally gray because you can only see a couple people. One one mistake of everybody's even being safe, you know, like things happen. I think we've learned that, too, is even if you're taking all the precautions you can still get it. You know, mm. even during quarantine, when people were only going to the grocery store, if you 
you know, you touch one thing and that's weird to think how things have changed too. I remember my parents only going to the grocery store. Me and my brother did not leave the house. They would come back. We'd wipe down every box, wipe down everything, you know, like pretty much do it in the garage too, not take the bags inside. And I go to the grocery store and I wear masks and I put hand sanitizer on after and I distance myself. Like, I don't think about it nearly as much as I did back then. And who knows, you know, I can still someday with a cereal box, like it could be on it and I could get it. But it's just kind of over time, I feel like everybody has kind of had to figure out what works for them and how they can justify it. And you just have to do the best you can and hope that everything's okay and that your health is okay. You know, there's really no, nothing. I don't know. There's no clear answer. No. There's, and yeah, it's like, when I think about it and I think about that time and all the people that I met, um, I would have never worked through my breakup the way that I did. And, um, you know, if I wanted to play the scenario of like me basically breaking my ex's heart over and over and over again in my childhood bedroom, uh, that would have driven me to insanity, I think. Um, and this summer I learned and I grew tremendously. Like I learned so much about my self-worth I experienced sad indie men that will gaslight you and make you feel small and make you feel like you can't speak up. And from that, I learned how to make boundaries for when I, you know, came across insecure men that would project those insecurities onto me. I then knew how to say no and stick up for myself. And then I came across guys that literally just wanted to only have sex and for things to be purely physical. And I realized like, oh, like I don't want that. Like I thought that I could do that, but I can't. Um, and then I met people that are really, really amazing, but their parents are immunocompromised and I'm at school and it's just not something that can happen right now and learning how to like move on and, you know, okay, thank you next kind of situation. And now it's like a different person. We'll see where that goes. But like, if I didn't take the chance and didn't take the risk, I think I would still be sobbing or questioning or just in a cycle that would never end of, you know, working through my breakup. And like, I needed this time to figure out who I was and what kind of partner works best for me right now. And like, I don't regret it. I don't feel amazing about it <laughs> because I don't think that that it was um, the safest thing to do necessarily. But like you said, Taylor, like you just do what you can do um, paired with what you need to do. And like most of my dates were outside, like you, Wyatt, and like I triple checked to make sure that these people were being safe, but it was necessary to me and my growth to do those things. And yes, I am still conflicted about it, but now I feel like I'm in a better place 
in terms of like figuring out my love life that I would have never been in if I didn't take that risk. Um, and so for me, I think it was necessary. Um, and I'm lucky that I didn't get sick or neither did my parents. And I feel like an asshole for risking their lives, but it's been, it's, it's done already. And I can't really say anything else except for that, you know, now like moving on from love life to, you know, amicable friendship life. Um, me and my friend Hannah, she goes to school in Arkansas and she's also a journalist and she goes to a school, like a very conservative school. So she was friends with a lot of people um, and friends of friends of a lot of people that just simply weren't taking the pandemic seriously, right? Um, and <laughs> I remember being with her and like um, trying to find a bathroom because I forgot what we ate, but it was like necessary to just yeah. get out of the car, you yeah. know? And um, I ran out, not even thinking about putting a mask on. And I screamed at her, I don't want to be the people we hate and ran <laughs> back to the car and threw a mask back on my face. And, you know, you don't want to be the people that you hate. And we hate people that aren't taking the pandemic seriously, aren't wearing a mask, aren't doing like the basic, basic things that we've had ingrained in us since February, basically. Um, and I get it. It hurts so, so bad to see the people that you love become the people that you hate, which is where I understand the argument of, you know, person A who has been cooped up in her house for eight months and putting everyone on her hit list. Um, but, well, basically my question was, um, have y'all like encountered anyone, any of your friends that you've like gotten frustrated with in terms of like taking this pandemic like seriously I think I haven't had any friends um that I've like come to that situation with I think the most important thing that you can do right now is if you are seeing anybody at all is that me and my roommates or anybody I'm in contact with like we're just honest about who we're seeing what we're doing at all because it is fair if somebody isn't comfortable with you seen anyone, you know, you going to this certain event, you doing anything. I think it's important that you have that communication to be like, okay, well, I just need to know what you're doing so I can adjust what I'm doing as well. You know, if I need to be separated from you for a bit, because I mean, everybody has their own standards of what they're okay with. So we've just been trying to like be as open and communicating with each other as much as possible. But Thankfully, I haven't had anything like that with friends of them not taking it seriously or taking the precautions. Um, I have some friends that I don't see too often that I just know that they're not really taking it seriously. But since we both just kind of know that of each other, you know, I know that she's not really doing what I am doing, doing what I would hope people would do. Um, I just am not seeing her and we haven't really talked about it because I know I mean, I, I know that she knows what she probably should be doing and that she's not doing that. So I'm not going to lecture her about it. Like I'm the CDC, like she knows what's going on, but we just kind of have this mutual understanding of we probably just won't be able to hang out for a while. You know, we're probably just not going to see each other. 
I think where I've encountered it the most is family friends um, back home. You know, my parents don't see that many people because especially a lot of their friends really aren't taking it seriously and still don't like to wear masks. You know, the simplest things they still don't want to do. And so I think that's been the most difficult part of being around people or not around them because I'm obviously not around them, but just knowing these people that you care about think it's kind of a hoax. Like they really do kind of think it's a hoax and there's nothing almost that you can say to them that will make them think something differently. Cause what can you say that like has not been said before, you know, like with that kind of thinking, there's almost nothing you can say to get through to somebody like that, but it is difficult to have just that completely different, you know, completely different standings doing completely different things. And it's somebody that you love and care about, but can't see him, can't really talk to him either. So, I mean, I think I've mainly encountered that with older people, family, friends. Um, thankfully, not a lot of people in my family. But I think communicating with my friends has been the best thing that we've done so far and that we'll have to continue to do. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's exactly as Taylor said, where communication is key more than ever right now. Um, you you got to be okay being being like oh this is who i've been with this is what i've been doing that kind of thing it's extremely important and um luckily i have also not really had much issues with it i've not really been seeing a whole lot of people outside of like some close friends that have all been pretty self-contained i mean i saw you guys i saw i've seen like some some family members so Overall, it's it's not been too bad, and most of the time, I'm not hanging with more than like three, maybe four people at a time, so that's good. Uh, I so, so, but the problem is, and, and what is really on my mind is actually upcoming, the holidays. My I I'm kind of worried about like Thanksgiving and Christmas. I'm not gonna lie because my family is a very large family that are very conservative family. They're Mm -hmm. like Thanksgiving Christmas. It's on baby. We're going. And it's, it's a bit worrisome because I know like they're going to be so upset if I don't go, but at the same time, I'm genuinely worried about it. My Thanksgiving every year usually has around 40 people there between cousins, uncles, grandparents, other relatives, there's generally like 40 people at Thanksgiving and maybe a few less at Thanksgiving or Christmas, sorry, Christmas, uh, a few less at Christmas. So it's, it's going to be a decision this year. My, I already know most of the people are going and I don't think m- many of them are going to wear masks. If I do end up going, I will absolutely be wearing a mask, but the problem is that's protecting them and not protecting me. Also like eating, and eating and all of that. It's, I know the, like my brother, um, he, my older brother has already opted out of both. He's like, I don't have health insurance. If I get sick, I'm screwed. Like I am literally a student English teacher. I can't pay hospital bills. I don't have health insurance. I can't risk that. And sorry guys. And he has gotten a ridiculous, ridiculous amount of backlash from family for that decision and it's a bit worrisome because i'm like i want to see family and i know they want to see me but also like it's kind of scary facetime in 
Yeah. Yeah. So, and one of the downsides of having a large family, I guess, this year is if you don't want to go to a gathering of 40 people, what do you do? Yeah. Yeah. And that's just, that's something that has freaked me out a bit thinking about uh, just imagining like all the college students at KU going to their separate homes, you know, their hometowns, being around their family from all over, you know, Mm -hmm. all gathered together. And then that's just KU students thinking about like every college across the country, every family that's going to get together from everywhere and just how fast that spreads it. And we really haven't had that yet, you know, like just even during the pandemic, when it first, (laughs) we're still in the pandemic, the beginning of (laughs) quarantine, you know, I would hear about read news articles about one party that happened. Um, People were in from out of state. They went back to their hometowns and just how much it spread from that one gathering. So we haven't been through a holiday season with this yet. And just the image of that in my mind is so horrifying. It's so terrifying to think about. Mm -hmm. And I haven't even thought about it. Like in my own personal scenario, my family, I just assumed like we're not doing anything. And we probably, you know, family members are probably still getting together. But I don't know. I guess to me, it's again, the thing of you can do the best you can, you know, maybe try and see your immediate family, maybe a couple family members that live close to you, if you know they've been safe too. But it's a terrifying thought to think about the holiday season during a pandemic and how that's going to work afterwards for second semester. It doesn't seem feasible. It's going to be scary. I, I like the closest we had to a mass like travel was people moving into college and Mm -hmm. we saw spikes in college towns across the entire country. And Mm -hmm. like we, and then we've not really hit a big holiday yet. I mean, we had Easter, which was right after everything started. So people were still kind of like, even 4th of July, people were still kind of like hesitant. So that Mm -hmm. didn't really happen as much. We're about to have three major holidays in like the span of two months. We're going to have uh, Halloween, we're going to have Thanksgiving, and we're going to have Christmas all within two months of each other. And then New Year's. And then New Year's. So four, four within two months of each other. And it's pretty concerning. It's pretty concerning. And I will say, I know we give KU a lot of shit for the decisions they've made this semester. I do think ending the semester after Thanksgiving was the smartest Smart. call they could have made. Mm-hmm. I, I will applaud them a hundred percent for that because we know if everybody went home for Thanksgiving and then came back, that would be a very large problem for Lawrence and the university. So, mm-hmm. but it's still like we've, we've, oh, I'm just going to hope that this two months of, of uh, winter break is enough to mitigate that a little bit, but spring semester is a little concerning. It is because, I mean, like you said, too, I even forgot about New Year's. New Year's is January 1st, you know, that's still pretty close to when we start school again. Um, And not even talking about holidays and we just have like those two months off. People are going to be going everywhere. You know, it's like vacation time still going all over and then coming back to Lawrence. Ooh, it's going to be interesting to see if we're coming back at all again, which I'm sure it'll be. Probably a similar situation like we had in the fall, but I don't know. It's going to look completely different, but this is definitely going to be a scenario like we were talking about of people being like, well, holidays are too important to me. So I need to do 
what's best for me, which is go to this holiday with my entire family of 40 plus people, when that's probably not like the best thing to do for yourself or anybody. But, you know, I don't know. There, once again, there's no clear answer. No, everything's morally gray. But I don't, it's difficult when you have lots of people making decisions that they think are best for themselves. But then when everybody's doing that, you know, and then putting everybody else, like then we're all together. Like every decision affects everyone in this scenario, which is really scary. I think that's the scariest thing. Right. And I know people that are traveling right now. Like, I mean, like I traveled for my friend's wedding and I think that's an exception. But I know people that are, like, going to Vegas for their 21st. I know people that are going back to different universities to celebrate other people's 21st birthdays in different states. Um, a lot is happening. A lot of travel is happening right now um, that, are, that people are doing. And the fact that, like, all of us are going to be doing that at the same time in this holiday season is, like, I don't even know, like, will two months be enough time away from each other for it to be fine to come back in February? Will it? We don't know. And also, I think it's good that we don't have a spring break, but we know our peers. We know people are going to leave. Um, And then they're going to come back. And then I don't want to think about graduation being canceled because I think my heart will be so sad. But I mean, if all of those people are traveling for spring break and then come back for commencement and then we're all out there for commencement, it's like, I don't know. It's very scary time all the time. I think there are ways to make the most out of our situation without being part of the problem but regardless if you don't do one part of the situation you are still inherently like part of the problem like if everything is black and white that's what it is Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. basically so to kind of wrap up things what's next i don't know if much is realistically going to change until we get a vaccine I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I think, I kind of think we have hit our point of, of an equilibrium almost um, where early on in, in the year in March and April, we kind of had our panic of, Oh God, everybody's going to be inside at all times. Then kind of June, May was a little of like, oh, I don't want to stay inside anymore. I'm going to rebel, push back, go outside, do as much as I can. Things open back up. And I think since then, we've kind of just hit this point of like some people are staying inside being safe and some are not. And it's just kind of where things are going to sit for a while. And I think I just I think that's where we're going to be at for the next however long it takes to get a vaccine ready. And who knows if the first tests of vaccines actually work or are safe for the public, but we'll deal with that when we deal with that. So um, I, I don't know. I don't know where we go from here. If, if we go in a, if we go in a 
kind of lighthearted route, but not lighthearted route at all. Actually kind of terrifying. I heard someone argue earlier this year that if there is the time for the zombie apocalypse, it's now. And (laughs) they were talking about how like, we're going to have a widely distributed, like unexperimented vaccine just put into people. And, you know, it could turn into a zombie mutation. We could have zombies, but let's figure it out. That's not going to happen. That's yeah. Never thought about that before. Thank you so much. Wyatt, You're welcome. It's in the theme. Of, it's in the theme of Halloween that we may have the zombie apocalypse soon. Yeah, in the theme of Halloween. In the theme of very Halloween. Very fun. Very fun. <laughs> uh, no, realistically, if we don't get turned into zombies, like I agree with Wyatt. I feel like things are going to be pretty much the same, except. Maybe worse, honestly, now thinking about people going home, like we could definitely have another lockdown, I think for sure, if things get that bad again. So I think if anything, it's going to be about the same, um, if not another lockdown after the holidays um, and the winter season. But yeah, I don't realistically see things changing for the better until we get a vaccine. I think the concerning part about that is I don't know if... I don't know if Americans will accept another lockdown. Like Americans I are like, yeah, they're already like, didn't accept the first one. Some people, yeah. and I mean, aren't accepting wearing masks now. So yeah. yeah, it would be very interesting to see the people who won't even wear a mask in the grocery store, see their reaction. It's not going to be interesting. It's going to be horrifying to having to do another lockdown. We would have to go into like martial law to enforce that, which is never going to happen. Mm-mm. Here's the thing. When I was in Oklahoma, like we're used to seeing maybe what, two to three people in a store not wearing masks, if any. I as a and as a mask enforcer at Target, I get probably one anti-masker a day. I didn't get a single one in eight hours today. So (laughs) to put it in perspective of where we're at in different places of the country right now, um, I went thrift shopping in Oklahoma. Uh, Claire and I were one, two of four people that were wearing masks. Out of? Out of 30 people. It's like that in, in Missouri, a store. Wow. In a store. Um, also, uh, like, restaurants or anything like that, like, it's usually enforced. Um, usually pretty good. Workers are usually really good and, like, actually cover their noses and things like that. But any grocery store, any convenience store anything like that even in coffeeville kansas not a single person like it was very odd to be the one wearing one um so that's terrifying because there are going to be people from our school and from all over going back to places like that there's a lot of students in kansas from missouri and the times i've been to missouri I'd like stop at a Casey's and not even the employees are wearing masks literally like I'd be the Same only one and I'd get looks I'm like, you guys should be the ones getting looks, not me. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's bad. It's really bad. So I guess conclusion is people, persons, if you're a person of the people and you need that contact, just be intentional, I guess. There's always going to be an ethical battle that's inevitable you're always going to be doing something wrong, but at least do the best out of the wrong um, and be smart. 
Um, yeah. And, you know, I guess stay tuned, KU, to see if we do come back after this Halloween or this Thanksgiving or this New Year's or this Christmas. So, yeah, it's been <laughs> off the record. <laughs> um, Wyatt, where can they stream us? They can listen to us on whatever podcast service you prefer, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or any other of the small ones. Let's be honest. Are you using any other than those three? We don't know. There could be some anchor fans out there. Who knows? Um, Taylor, where can they follow us on social media? Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Kansan News or at Chalk Magazine or on Instagram at University Daily Kansan or Chalk Magazine. Perfect. Well, it's been great chatting with all of you. Um, you can catch us next week and happy Halloween. Thank you to all our listeners, undead and alive. <laughs> oh, God. Bye. Peace.